0: So we're going to talk about baptism first, and then we're going to go in and talk about what Jesus being baptized means for us. So I know we're in Matthew chapter three, but let's start in on baptism. You guys are going, man, this is going to be boring, probably, but it'll be fine. Okay, here we go. What is baptism? Okay, we all pretty much have a good idea what baptism is. We've seen it. uh, Our baptismal for our church is baptismal. Underneath this cross here, we've seen uh, many of our youth get baptized here. What is it? Well, baptized is being immersed in water to publicly declare your commitment to follow Christ. Now, being immersed, our, our denomination also believes in sprinkling or or, or or pouring. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but um, I prefer when I baptize people to uh, f- uh, to immerse them uh, for a number of reasons. But if you are like, no, I want to be sprinkled or poured. Uh, I'm by law I'm not allowed no I'm kidding uh, I'm not allowed to say no to that so uh so why why should we be baptized well there's a number of reasons I have uh six down or f reasons because I I I lettered them uh the first is to obey the bible to be baptized is a command okay and it's shown all throughout scripture all throughout the new testament to obey the bible I put down um, a couple of scriptures here, I, I, I didn't put them up there, but in Acts 22, uh, verse 14 through 16, we see something really interesting. We know that Paul was blinded uh, on his way to Damascus. And then, uh, f- so finally, uh, he, he, the word comes through, the, uh, through uh, Ananias, and he says, um, The God of our fathers has appointed you, Paul, to know uh, his will and to see the righteous one and to hear an utterance from his mouth for you will be a witness for him. Listen to this. This is what they're saying to Paul. This is the Apostle Paul. For you will be a witness to him, to all men of what you have seen and heard. This is our commission as well. Did you know that? That we will be a witness to to all men of what we've seen and heard. Now, why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Paul was baptized. Another uh, example is when Paul, they say, what must we do? What, Peter gives his, his first sermon. 3,000 people come to Christ. They say, what must we do? And in Acts 2, 38, Peter says, repent. And each one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we do it to obey the word. The second thing is we do it to follow the example of Jesus. We're going to see this in a little bit. Jesus getting baptized. Did Jesus need to get baptized for the, remo- for, for did he need to repent and be baptized? No. He did it as an example for us, to follow the example of Jesus. That's found in Matthew chapter 3. C, to make a clear statement to the world as a public and personal declaration that we want to die to our old way of living and start living a new life in Christ. Baptism is our public declaration of what God has done to us inwardly. We have to understand that it's not it's not a magical, mystical thing. Okay, it's not uh, it's us saying I will follow Christ and I'm making a a declaration. It's kind of like a marriage ceremony where, you know, you can get married and have it all done legally. But we have a ceremony so that we publicly say to to uh, the people there, we are dedicating our lives to each other. That's what happens in baptism. To make a clear statement to the world as a public and personal declaration. Uh, um, D, to receive assurance. Sometimes as a believer, we say, man, are are we really saved? Baptism is a great time to say, I'm following Christ. I believe that he died for my sins. I believe I'm a sinner. I want to die to my old life and be raised again. In, to walk in newness of life. That's what we say when we baptize someone here. Uh, I typically say, um, I baptize you in the name of the father, son, and the Holy spirit. Uh, you, your life has died and been buried. And now you're raised to walk in newness of life. And we get that from Romans, uh, chapter six. We'll see that in a bit, but to receive assurance, first Peter three 21 says, corresponding to that baptism now saves you. Now we'll, Get to this as well. It's not essential for salvation. Baptism is not essential for salvation. But moving on, this is what the verse says. Not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. An appeal to God for a good conscience is to say, Lord, I am following you forever. I declare to the world that my allegiance is with Jesus Christ. E, to receive our identification with Christ... Again, we talked about this. It's a, it's a uh, perfect, it's a public uh, announcement, a declaration. And here's what happens in Galatians three twenty-seven. It says, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. I want you to get this image of baptism. It's so sweet. Here you are in the flesh and you say, I'm, I'm sinful. I, I, I can't get to heaven on my own. I can't have a relationship with God. But I repent of my sin and I accept what Christ has done. And then we're dipped in and when we come out, we're clean, clothed like Christ. We're identified with Christ. Now, can, can we be identified with Christ apart from baptism? Are we still saved? Yes. But there's something about that public declaration, that identifying with Christ. And then it goes on in verse 28 to say, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. There's something that happens during baptism, during this declaration where we say, I'm no longer an American. I'm no longer a written house. I'm no longer, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what makes it so powerful and so important. That we are baptized into Christ. We've clothed ourselves with Christ. And all of those other things. I mean, we still remain Americans and all that. I wasn't saying that. But um, I wasn't saying we should start like a new sect that uh, has no identity. F. F. It symbolizes our death to ourselves and joins us with Christ symbolizing his death, burial, and resurrection. One of the things that uh, baptism symbolizes is Christ's death and burial and then resurrection. And we say we want to be a part of that. In Romans 6, 4, this is kind of a, a big section of scripture, but in Romans 6, 4 through 5, it says, Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. That's why I use that term. You're raised to walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. That goes back to the the assurance as well. Certainly, if we are willing to die to ourselves, certainly we'll be raised uh, to walk uh, in in the likeness of his resurrection. And then Colossians 2, 12, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. It's an identification that we are to die to ourselves and be raised to walk in newness of life, to be raised to walk in the power of the Spirit. So that's why we're baptized. Uh, Some of the reasons, there's a few others, but we're, like I said, this is the abridged version and I'm still going to make it count, though. Uh, how important is baptism? Well, it's not essential for salvation. Okay? Ephesians uh, 2, 8, and 9 says, For grace we've been saved through faith, not of works. Okay? Uh, Romans ten nine says, If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God uh, raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. I mean, that, that was the thing. It's not essential for salvation. So we say, well, cool then if I haven't been baptized, it's not essential. I'm good, right? It depends. (laughs) There is something that happens when we get baptized. There is a, a, a level of commitment. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Number two for how important is it? It's important for service and spiritual growth. It's part of the Great Commission. We talk about the Great Commission a lot. It's in Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen through 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. How? How do we make disciples? What do disciples look like? What, what, what's, a, what's someone who says, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm willing to die for him to follow him. Well, it says baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then teaching them to observe all that I command you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. If you've missed out on baptism, uh, maybe you're still focusing on the teaching uh, to observe all that I commanded, which is fine, but there's something about making that public declaration. That's very important to your spiritual development. This is a question for you. not for. I'm not making a rhetorical statement, but think about your life uh, if you haven't been baptized yet and, th- and think about... How am I doing right now making my life a public declaration of my life with Christ? What is it? What does my public declaration look like? I would submit to you that if you haven't been baptized and you're saying to yourself, you know, it could be better. Start with baptism. It's important in, 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 in saying to everyone, and, and you, you, there's a whole bunch of reasons why you might not be willing to do that. And we'll, we'll get to those in a second, but it's very important for service and, and spiritual growth. The third question. I think am I in the third question? The fourth question. When should we be baptized? Well, it, it kind of goes in order, repent and be baptized. The first thing that needs to happen is we need to believe and repent. Okay? Baptism isn't like a good luck charm. So you've never you don't really believe in that that you're a sinner or that Christ uh, died for your sins. But you know what? Just to make sure, I better I better hop in the tub. And just kind of whatever they do there to to be baptized, you know, like a, like, okay, good. Now, now we're better. It's after we believe and repent. There's a, there's a, it's kind of like when you get married, right? You propose a relationship has been established and you say, let's get married. Yes, we get married. And then there's this public declaration. I am proud to introduce to you, Mr. and Mrs. John Rittenhouse, Right. It's a uh, but but it comes after we've we've sealed the deal of salvation uh, for the Christian part, not the wedding part. Um, And so we see all this Acts two thirty eight. We have I think I have all of them uh, on your list there. Do I have those Acts two thirty eight forty one Acts eight twelve. Those are great. Okay, good. So that's the first thing. The second thing is after we understand baptism. One of the reasons why we take this class, this class isn't in Scripture so Peter didn't say, "Repent, take a class, and be baptized." Okay, there wasn't. It didn't go like that. The reason we have the class is not to to put a whole bunch of uh, loads on people. It's just that throughout time, baptism has gotten kind of confused in different denominations and different things. So we, as a church, Living Spring and our denomination, most of the churches in our in the Free Methodist denomination, have you take a class so that you understand you are saying, this is it. I'm following God for life. And I'm declaring it before everybody. And so it's important for, for me, especially when I'm the one doing the baptisms or anyone else, we'll get to that as well, That you understand that you're pledging uh, your life to Christ. It's a symbolic act with a spiritual reality attached to it. And then thirdly, as soon as it can be done with appropriate understanding. Once you accept Christ into your heart and you say, yes, this is it, then you should be baptized relatively quickly. It could be right then. You could hop in a pool with another believer and say, "I'm, I'm ready to do it right now. Okay, so it's uh, as soon as possible. They say, now, what what happens if I accepted Christ when I was, uh, you know, 14 and now I'm, you know, 40 and you want me to hop in the tub in front of all these people? I'm an elder in the church. I'm on the board. I don't know. I don't know who's been baptized and who hasn't. So I'm just making this stuff up. But I've been in the church serving faithfully for years. I don't need that. I would submit to you. That if you go before the Lord and you ask him, I'll bet he says you do. (laughs) I could be wrong. But begin to think to yourself, well, why don't I? Well, I'll be too embarrassed. Well, that's the point of baptism (laughs) is to, yes, you're embarrassed. You want or you're you're nervous and you're like, but to everybody, I'm saying I'm following Jesus, right? Of course, you're going to be nervous. You go, well, what will people think? That's not how we start our life with Christ. <laughs> what would people think, right? We want to be bold in our faith. And so I, uh, um, so those, those are just excuses. And I, I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on anybody. I'm just saying, go before the Lord. He loves you. He'll speak to you. Do some research on baptism in the word and see where it shows up and what happens after they're baptized. Great stuff. Great stuff. I just don't want anyone to miss out. Well, how is baptism done? How is baptism done? Well, we do it or I do it by immersion. Okay. The Greek word is baptizo, which literally means to dip or to immerse. Okay. Unfortunately, we, well, you know what? I'm sorry. So that's why I do it that way. Plus, I think it gives a better representation of exactly what it's supposed to represent. We're died and buried, and then we're raised again. Now, again, I said our denomination uh, sprinkles and also pours. Okay, so so I submit to their authority. I personally believe immersion's a better a better way to go, uh, and that's why we do it here by immersion. But if you're going, I'll go to your superintendent and tell him you didn't you wouldn't pour. Hey, I pour all the time, man. I do it all the time. That's how we do it, you know. I'm, I'm kidding, okay? But we do it because it's the most symbolic and most biblically... Um, all the biblical examples are of that. Again, we can get into, well, if that's the case, then why don't you demand that we not pour? Look, I don't want to get into all that, okay? So let's move on. Um, the second thing is... Um, by a believer, preferably someone who's in a, a position of spiritual authority. Okay, now it doesn't have to be. Okay, but, but one of the reasons, because this is such a symbolic act, there, there's two things that happen. One, you want someone baptizing you that you're fairly confident in a month isn't going to be found on a street corner, you know, I mean, you, you want someone with some spiritual authority doing that. The second thing is someone with spiritual authority or um, can determine whether you really understand what you're doing. And that, that's why it's important to me uh, to have the baptism class. But if, if there's a, a, a youth in there that wants their parent to baptize them and their parents a believer, that's totally fine. There's no example in scripture that says it has to be Uh, There's nothing that says it has to be a leader. However, all of our our examples are leaders baptizing. Um, So uh, a believer, preferably someone of spiritual authority. The third is publicly. Baptism is not a private act. It's a public act. It's a public declaration that you're ready to follow Christ. You know, I don't know why. I I am so excited about baptism. I, I... It is awesome. And you know what? We've seen it here. I guarantee you felt what happens during a baptism. You've sat in the pew and you've watched somebody read their testimony and they were baptized. And the Holy Spirit was inside you going, yes, that is awesome. Our absolute best service here ever was when we did a baptism. The Spirit of God was so heavy on this place. There was an anointing. Our worship was through the roof, all that. Because there was a baptism. Publicly, publicly, publicly. Fourth, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This comes from Matthew 20, from the Great Commission. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then fifthly, how is baptism done? In faith and commitment. Okay, in faith and commitment. I have the verses there for you to see. So, you're saying, well, John, I, that sounds great. I understand Baptism. Uh, I already knew that. Thanks for the boring lecture, uh, but uh, not everybody understands it. And um, and so uh, here is the thing: there might be some of you saying, "Well, you know what? I, I need to get baptized." We're going to we're going to slow our worship down after the sermon, and you can come forward and begin to go before the Lord with that. But um, so, I want to be baptized at Living Spring. What do I do? Well, the first thing we do is you take the baptism class, which you just took. Right, Or you can cheat and listen to the podcast, Okay, for those of you who are missing it. But uh, you take the baptism class so that you feel like you understand what's going on. Secondly, you talk to Pastor John, that's me, about how you will give your testimony. Okay? Part of um, the baptism, as we've seen up here, is to say, this is what my life was like before Christ. This is how it is now. This is what I'm declaring. I'm declaring to follow him forever. And so, uh, so we, we talk about that and how you want to do it. And there's all sorts of ways you can do it. If you're nervous, we can videotape you first and put you up there. We can do all sorts of stuff. We can on the actual handout, we could put your picture and a little bio. No, I'm kidding about that. So talk. To, and then the third thing is, uh, you call me and, uh, schedule a morning to be baptized since we do it during the service, um, Uh, it's good to schedule it so it works in with the sermon and worship and stuff like that. And that's it. It's no big deal. Baptism wasn't in Scripture as this huge thing to make a doctrine of split churches over. Uh, It's pretty straightforward. And so I want us to understand that. Any questions? I do that on my... my, um, This is probably the only chance you'll be ever able to ask a question in church. All right, cool. See how long I let that go? There we go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's a great. That's a great question. I don't think it matters. I mean, uh, like, if you look at. Uh, the, the Old test I mean, the New Testament, you have 3,000 people coming to Christ uh, with Peter. Now, that was a huge deal. But you also have Philip uh, being baptized, uh, Philip baptizing uh, the Ethiopian eunuch on the way, uh, on his way, which was Just with Philip and maybe Philip's guys, I mean, the the eunuchs guys, I don't know. But um, so you have different things. I don't think it's necessary. It would be great. Um, uh, But uh, I think it's fine. I mean, because really we're stating to each other, hey, we're this is it. I'm ready to go. Kind of like in a marriage, you invite your friends and family uh, because they're the ones who are going to support you in the marriage. And so I don't think it matters here because we're the ones who are going to support you in your walk with Christ. Anything else? Cool. All right. Excellent. All right. Let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 3. We're going to see uh, Jesus being baptized. It's very, very cool. And you're like, so we're going to have a sermon now? Uh-oh. Okay. It'll be, it'll be short. Hang on. Good gracious. All right. The commissioning of Jesus. So let me read Matthew chapter 3, verses uh, 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment... Heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I, uh, Like I said, I have a video series called The Book of Matthew, and it's Word for Word NIV. And in it, they have this uh, this clip of Jesus being baptized. And I wanted us to be able to, to watch that. Hopefully we're all set. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented, When Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. as we uh, continue in the book of Matthew, we'll see more clips of this Jesus. It's the best Jesus you've ever seen. I guarantee it. As we get to know him a little better, you'll uh, you'll see what I mean. He identifies with people. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Jesus didn't need to be baptized. He didn't need to repent. He didn't need to flee from the coming wrath, right? He was the kingdom of God. And yet he humbles himself in order to identify with us. And what I loved about that clip is when Jesus comes out of the water, you, you get this sense that he's anticipating his ministry. He's anticipating what he's about to do. And I think uh, in a lot of ways, um, Jesus identified with people in every way he possibly could so that now he identifies with us and, w- and where we're at. And so... The first thing I want to see is in this idea in Isaiah 53, 12, because this is very important about this king. Remember, Matthew was trying to show that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the king. And here's one of the things that was prophesied about Jesus in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 12. Thank you. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong. Because, why? Listen to this. Because he poured out his life unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. He was numbered with the transgressors. Jesus identified with people. He was lumped in, essentially, with the sinners. He hung out with the sinners. And, 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 and in his baptism, he was starting off his ministry saying, I will be like one of you. Listen to this from the beginning. Jesus identifies with people from the very beginning of his ministry. This includes John. I want us to see what he says to John here. It's so awesome. It's in uh, verse. um, Yeah, here we go. Yeah, it's in verse 15. So what happens is John's John recognizes it's Jesus. And and uh, all of a sudden understands. Oh, man. This is him. This is the guy I've been prophesying about. It, it says in, in another gospel that, uh, that um, he wasn't sure in the beginning, but then the Holy Spirit revealed it to him. And so he says, uh, uh, in, starting in verse 13, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? And Jesus replied, listen to this. Listen how he includes John in this. Let it be so now, for it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Us. Jesus is with John in his ministry, fulfilling it right now. And he says, let's do this together. Can I tell you, church, that's the same Jesus we serve? And John's trying to deter him, saying, "Uh, you you need to baptize me. And, And sometimes we get all into this thing of like i can't serve the way i need to serve no you can't you cannot but jesus is saying listen this is proper for us we're going to do this together i think it's really cool that he didn't say it's proper for me to do this to fulfill all righteousness look just knock it off baptize me i got to get this thing done he says no john we're in this together he he um He includes John in there. The Greek word that uh, this this idea that John tried to prevent him is he kept on trying. Like, no, 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 really, I'm not worthy. You baptize me. And I'm telling you, church, I see often, often, often many believers, many Christians who are saying, no, Lord, I can't do that. I'm not worthy enough. I have this sin or I have that. And Jesus is saying, come on, man, let's do it. Let's get going. I know you're not worthy. That's why it's us. It's not just you. The other thing we see here, and we look in in Luke, is that Jesus comes to be baptized. In Luke chapter 3, verse 21, it says, Now when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. Jesus didn't set up a separate time where he says, Hey, John, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be baptized. I want you to get everybody there because I'm kicking it off now. He's just with the people. Jesus identifies with people. That's what he's about. From the very beginning of his ministry, he was identifying with people. The second thing we see is Jesus identifying with people throughout his ministry. The Pharisees hated him. In the book of Matthew, we'll read later, uh, we'll study it a little more in depth, but he calls Matthew, a tax collector, who wrote the book of Matthew, and he, and Matthew says, let's have a party at my house. And so other tax collectors showed up. Matthew brought his oikos, his his his. His circle of influence, right? Did you know that we all have one? And, and, and that's what's so beautiful about getting saved is that what's supposed to happen is we get saved and then we start to influence the people around us from what Christ does. So Jesus is at, having dinner at Matthew's house and when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Remember he was numbered with transgressors. This is the fulfilling of that prophecy. And here's what happens. This is so great. The Pharisees go to Jesus' disciples. They don't go to Jesus, right? Have you, have you ever done that? Like your boss really gets on your nerves, but you're too scared to go to him and say, this is all wrong. So you go to a coworker, and you're all tough with the co-worker. Like God doesn't know what he's doing. <sighs> but then once the boss finds out you're in trouble, well, the boss just found out in Matthew nine twelve. On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus is saying, My ministry is to heal, to bind up the brokenhearted. To heal the sick, to be with the common person. I, to identify with them, because that's whom I, I'm saving. The Pharisees used to have a ceremonial washings after they'd go to the market, just in case one of those sinners touched them. You got to get it off, right? Jesus says, no way. I'm, 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 the, I'm a physician. I want to be with the sick. In his death, he identified with sinners. Now figure this out. Jesus, the 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 apex of Jesus's ministry was his resurrection. Okay, that's that's what sealed the deal. He conquered death through his resurrection. But the crucifixion, I think we'd all agree, was pretty important. <laughs> okay, and he allows himself to be hung between two thieves, two common uh, sinners. He's taking on the sins of the world, and he's sharing the experience. With who? People. And he's talking with them. I don't know if you parents, if you've ever done anything important, like let's say you're doing your taxes and you're totally stressed out because you're trying to get them done. And it's like the 14th and the 15th is coming. So you're super stressed out. And one of your kids comes up with something that's not important. Like dad, yesterday, You said, Audrey could eat two cookies, but then I only could have one today. And three months ago, Emily had four cookies. And so I'm just saying, and you're like, get out of here. Shoo. I'm doing something really important. I don't have time for this. Go run along. Go play. Right? The taxes are important. Dying for all of mankind and taking on the sins of the world, I think is pretty important. And yet Jesus hangs out with the sinners and he's talking to them during the whole process. Jesus identified with people. Look at what it says in Isaiah 61. This is another uh, prophecy about Jesus. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. That's why he came That's why he was baptized, to identify with us, to set an example for us. So then it goes on. He consents and he gets baptized. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open and he saw the spirit of God. Something did happen at baptism for Jesus. It wasn't necessarily for him. But there was something that took place. And I would submit to you that... When you get baptized, there is something that takes place in your life. Now, the heavens were open. If you look in scripture, every time the heavens were open, it's really trippy. (laughs) It's not just like some clouds depart. Read Ezekiel chapter one and read what happened when the heavens opened. He saw stuff. I I don't know what he saw because I don't understand it. Wheels spinning and then a wheel inside a wheel and creatures and all this kind of funky stuff. I think heaven's going to be a blast. Just going, whoa, what is that? You know, whoa, did you see that? It's going to be cool. When you look at um, uh, Stephen, when he was uh, being stoned, he was f- full of the Holy Spirit. He looked up to heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. That wasn't just clouds parting. In John chapter 1, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Trippy stuff. Revelation nineteen eleven, And I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat on it is called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and wages war. When the heavens open, something great happens. It happened at baptism. And so the Spirit comes down on Jesus and descends like a dove. Now, what, what, for us is the symbol of a dove? Besides the Holy Spirit, peace, peace—that's what we typically think of when we when we see a dove. Well, peace doesn't fit in with what we've seen in John chapter three when we uh, when um, uh, when John—I mean um, in Matthew chapter three when John's talking, he goes in and says, "There's fire coming." I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the tree. And every tree that does not produce fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. In in, uh, verse 11, it ends, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. When we look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, it says, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. How How does that fit? We have to become a Jew. We have to understand what a dove meant to the Jew at that time. It was not a symbol of peace. It was a symbol of sacrifice. You see, the dove was the most sacrificed animal in the New Testament. Remember when Jesus went to the the temple and he started flipping over stuff? Some of the things he was flipping over were the people selling doves. And they were charging too much for these doves. They were making a profit And it wasn't supposed to be like that. And part of how Jesus was upset, he said, this this should be a house of prayer. This should be about relationship. And you've made it a den of robbers. Well, this thing, the the Holy Spirit comes down in the shape of a dove, which means sacrifice. And not just any sacrifice. For the rich, you you would sacrifice according to your social status, according to, to how much money you had. The rich would sacrifice a bull. The middle class would sacrifice a lamb. The common everyday person would sacrifice doves. To them, to those people who came out from Jerusalem and, and Judea into the desert, watching Jesus get baptized. When that spirit came down in the form of a dove, to them, dove meant sacrifice. And see, I want us to understand this. Because we have the one hand... Judgment's coming, fire's coming. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring uh, peace, but a sword. But I've provided a way, I've provided a sacrifice. I'm the dove. God has anointed me. So Jesus hadn't done anything. He shows up, the Spirit uh, comes as a dove, and then uh, what happens? Right? When that happens, a voice from heaven says, This is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. See, the dove that had to be sacrificed had to be without blemish. All the sacrifices had to be without blemish. And it's almost like the sacrifice gets presented to God, and he, he looks and he says, Yeah, that, that'll do. That is an acceptable sacrifice. I'm well pleased. Now, I want you to see how exciting this is, church. I get all giddy about this kind of stuff. Jesus identifies with people. God he hadn't done any miracles yet. He hadn't done anything really. He just lived in Nazareth. He worked as a carpenter. He probably had a good relationship with his neighbors, obeyed his parents. And the God of the universe says, Man, I'm well pleased. The Greek here is almost a past tense where it says, it really says, in whom I delighted. I've been happy with Jesus. I've been delighted with Jesus. And what I want us to see is that sometimes we get so freaked out about Christianity that we need to be doing all this stuff. And our act of worship is just maybe doing our chores at work. I mean, it's at home or doing what the boss says at work, changing an attitude when we drive. And the Lord and God saying, yes, I'm well pleased with that. It doesn't have to be becoming a missionary to Africa. It doesn't have to be standing on the street corner with a megaphone unless he's calling you to do that. That would be great. I want to know what street corner because I'd, I'd love to see that. That would be cool. Be cool to see somebody going crazy for Jesus. It doesn't have to be that, though. Jesus lived a life of purity in obscurity. He wasn't anybody. Nothing had happened. And God says, I'm well pleased. I want that to be an encouragement to us, church. You say, man, I, it feels like I go to work and I come home and I, you know, it just feels like my life is a rat race. You can still glorify God in it. You can still glorify God. That's encouraged to me. The father is uh, well-pleased with Jesus. Now, we also have to see that Jesus is, he's now coming out of his comfort zone. He's getting ready to lay it all on the line. He's been living a life of purity before God, that God is well-pleased. And he says, I'm ready to start my ministry. I'm, I'm ready to do it. And what does he do? He gets baptized. A commissioning for the king. Here's what I want us to see in this. I think I put this up there. Hebrews chapter four, verse. Yeah. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Oh, praise God. Right? But one who has been tempted in all things as we are and yet without sin. Jesus was baptized to identify with people. We get baptized to identify ourselves with Jesus. Jesus didn't need baptism. He did it to identify with us so that his relationship with us could be richer, so that he could understand. We do it because we say, yes, I want to be identified with Jesus. I want to clothe myself in Christ. I want to be buried in, in in, in my life buried and be done with, so I can be raised to walk in newness of life. It's not a religion. It's a relationship with Christ. And now he's interceding on our behalf. As the, uh, as the worship team comes back up again, uh, we're going to move into our slower uh, time of worship. And so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to sing some slower songs that we're opening up the altar. If you want to come, if there's something on your heart uh, that you want to bring before him, if you haven't been baptized, take this opportunity to come before him and lay that at his feet and say, what would you have me do? And see if the Spirit of God speaks to you. We also have... uh, a couple praying at the cross, if you have a special need, if you have something uh, uh, that's been on your heart, a sickness, and you want uh, people to lay hands on you or, or, or your marriage or whatever it is, it doesn't matter, there'll be someone at the cross during this time uh, to pray with you there. I want to pray for us before we go into this time, but I want to, I want to read one other section of scripture that I'm not putting up there that I think really sums it all up. You know what? I don't, uh, I don't want to read it off of that piece of paper. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or to be held onto, but made himself nothing, Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, what did he do? He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord." To the glory of God the Father. Lord God, we want to follow your example. We want to be people who are totally sold out for you. That are clothed in you, Lord. That have our chains gone. Or that we can go through life with you. So that we can say, yeah, this is fitting for me to do with you. For us to do. And so, Lord, I just pray for um, our congregation that as we move into the slower time of worship, that your spirit would begin to speak to us um, uh, for anything that's been said uh, in the word that we could bring before you. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We pray this in your precious name. Amen.